I'm gonna die. I'm gonna die historic on the Fury Road. Welcome to the Mad Max Minute, where it's just like Aretha Franklin said, chain, 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 chain of fools in Mad Max Fury Road, one minute at a time. I'm Rick. And I'm Julia. And today we're talking about Minute 32, which begins with Max getting a nasty bit of metal out of his neck, and it ends with Max getting ready to perform some ballistic amputation. I cannot believe you. You gave me the assignment of the needle coming out of his shoulder. All right, well... The, Ew. the reason I asked you to do it is because there is a video on YouTube by Lindsay Ellis, and she talks about planting and payoff in movies, and she uses Mad Max Fury Road as a good example of that. And at one point in the video, she talks about this scene specifically, and about how all of the sound is in that low-frequency bassiness. And she mentions that as Max pulls the needle out there's a sort of hissing noise that returns all of the sound to normal. And she mentions this idea of air being caught in Max's blood. And I think that's called an embolism. And so I said, you should look up embolisms because it's oxygen related and air is really your thing. So first of all, an embolism is any thing in your blood that is a blockage. So you can have an air embolism, you can have a blood clot, it could be a bit of tumor or a piece of fat. It could even be a clump of bacteria that clumps large enough to block an artery or vein. Mm -hmm. So what you were asking about is air embolisms. And for what Max is doing, it's not really an issue. Because, first of all, our systems can handle little tiny air bubbles. They're only a problem if they're big enough to block the vein. And it does seem weird to say that an air bubble can block a vein, but an air bubble, if it, if it is big enough, the blood can't move past it. And it might as well be a, something solid. It's the same thing. But our systems can handle little tiny ones. And this particular type of puncture, the directionality is out, not in. So once that gets pulled out, honestly, he should be bleeding. But he's not going to bleed out or anything. A minute of pressure on it is probably going to stop the bleeding. But he doesn't apply any pressure at all. There should be blood. But we know Max is like a super healer type. Yeah. So that's plausible. So what he does here is, is kind of fine. What I like about this is that, sure, in this initial shot, it's about 15 seconds where he's getting a hold of himself, putting his hand up to his neck, pulling out that needle, and... There is a hissing sound that I mentioned, and it reminds me of when he was strapped to the front of Nux's car and Slit pulled the pin on his manacles. That there was an instance where that pin came out and there was a sort of whoosh. Almost like a breath of relief. Exactly. And I think this is another one of those instances. And I'm pretty sure we're going to get a third one in minute 46. We were chatting at work last week whenever and we were talking about what phobias we have and I'm like I don't really have anything I mean I'm a little bit afraid of heights but not too bad and I honed in on how I feel about like bodily fluids and stuff the fluids don't bother me I get weirded out 
by holes in skin that shouldn't be there. Mm. I get weirded out by pierced ears. I have pierced ears. I wish I didn't. They weird me out. I do not like it. I get weirded out by needles going in and coming out. Although being in and seeing like when I get blood drawn and seeing the blood come out is fine with me. It's just the action of making the hole or thinking too hard about the hole. So watching him pull that out is definitely like weirding me out. It's making me uncomfortable. Yeah. So I'm having a hard time watching the minute. So I'm just going to stop. Skip forward to the 15 second mark and we'll get past the initial talk about the big nasty (laughs) needle, which honestly, with how much flailing around he was doing and how much he should be injured, the fact that that needle didn't do damage is astounding. Yeah, it really is. And the fact that Nux's needle on the other end of that line doesn't end up doing any damage is equally baffling. I buy Nux's end a little bit more because Nux's end is closer to the point of the securing of the chain. Mm-hmm. They're both like right there on his arm. And Nux actually cares about it. Max's chain and where the needle goes in somewhere on his shoulder. It's kind of, it's a little hard to tell, but somewhere on his shoulder. Neck area, or shoulder or something like that. It's kind of far away from where his securing mechanism is. Like when he has it in his hand, he's holding it out pretty far from his head. So there was some play there. So now that he doesn't have to worry about being a blood bag anymore, Max grabs the chain that's attached to his muzzle and he starts pulling on it. And as he pulls on the chain, it pops up out of the sand and it eventually leads to the door of the Nux car. It's still a little bit attached, despite all of the rough and tumbleness that has happened to it. And on the other side of that door is Nux's hand being held up by the chain. I'm pretty sure that the vehicles from the Citadel don't have a lot of good options when it comes to seatbelts. So I'm pretty sure the only reason that Nux is still inside the car is the fact that Max was pulling that chain so tight that Nux was being held inside the car. Yeah, I could see that. I think I am a bit surprised that the force of Max being outside the car and flailing about, being attached to Nux by the chain, the door, like you said, barely hanging on. I'm kind of picturing that physics would pull Nux out, popping the door off. Mm. But maybe prior to this moment and post-crash, the door was much more secure. Yeah, I think the door was in one piece during the crash. And then when the car slammed down to its final resting place, it was weakened enough. So that way, when Max goes over to the car, he's able to grab it and tear it off. Yeah, I like that. Because as we see, Max follows the chain, sees that the chain is going through the door to Nux. So he has to pull the door off in order to get to Nux. And Nux is out like a light. He's not going to be awake for a couple of minutes now. Do you think that Max realizes that Nux is alive, just unconscious, or do you think that Max thinks Nux is dead? I think Max would prefer if Nux were dead, because it would simplify things for him. It would, but it doesn't actually seem to make a difference. Of course, Max tries to manually take off the shackle first, Mm -hmm. but he does not hesitate to take advantage of... The shotgun that is on the ground next to him. So as I mentioned, the door thing, 
when Max gets a hold of Nux, he drags him out of the car by the jacket that he's wearing. This is Max's jacket that Nux is wearing. It's interesting that Max cares very much about the jacket. Yeah. He is personally insulted that Nux is wearing it, but that's not his priority right now. First of all, he's not going to get the jacket off of Nux while he's still chained to him. Mm -hmm. Although he could feed that arm along the chain and then when it gets to him, he could turn it inside out <laughs> and put it on himself. So he could reclaim his jacket. But that's still, it's not the priority right now. The mm. priority is to detach from Nux. Yep. Especially if Nux is dead. Because if Nux is dead, he's literally dead weight. Now, I was trying to figure out how Nux would have Max's jacket. And my theory is that when they bring people in from the wasteland... All of their clothing and stuff is thrown in a pile, and the war boys can just take things off the pile. That does seem like a very plausible way that Nux would have Max's jacket. My only qualm with that is that the war boys do seem to be wearing a uniform of sorts. Mm -hmm. They are all wearing the same super cargo pants, very militaristic black cargo pants. So it doesn't really seem like there is a random selection of clothing that you can pick through. With that in mind, I sent a message to Mark Sexton, previous guest of the show and Mad Max Fury Road storyboard artist, and I said, hey, what's the deal with this? Here's my theory. Is there one that you like to share with people? And so he sent me a message back, and he says, I don't have George's official answer, but I figured that Max's clothing was part of his inventory, for want of a better word, and when Nux was allotted Max as his blood bag, he also got Max's inventory. Interesting. Okay. It's interesting that the inventory would go with the person rather than the vehicle but i do like the idea that max's personal effects would stay with him or near him i wonder if they intended for nux to be max's last partner were they planning on draining max dry or was the intention for him to serve multiple people that the organic mechanic would know when to say when and know how to treat Max so that after a certain amount of time, he would be ready to be someone else's blood bag. Like have orange juice and cookies standing by for when Nux was done with him? Yeah. I mean, that would be the most efficient thing, especially when you have somebody unique like Max, who is a universal donor. Right. It might also just be a combination of the two ideas that Max's jacket is kept nearby his body and since nux was going out he just grabbed it because you don't look at the blood bags and think oh yeah those guys still need their shoes sort of thing like if max is wearing boots those are valuable commodities so you think they'd be taken right but it might just be in order to avoid having to worry about storing clothing or anything like that they just leave the blood bags with their personal effects because it's just less complicated that way and I think that goes for kind of everything that Max is wearing. I mean, his shirt is nothing to write home about, but he's got a bracelet on. Like a like paracord a, thing? Yeah, like a paracord, like a woven rope bracelet. He's got some pretty great boots and his knee brace. I'm kind of surprised the organic mechanic didn't take it. Yeah. And if the blood bag is never intended to leave his cage, then why does he still have all the stuff? Maybe he got this stuff back specifically because he was going on a field trip. Maybe. I just really like the idea that 
the organic mechanic can't be bothered with keeping track of all of that. So we just keep it with the person, whether they leave or not. Yeah. I don't want to worry about what he came in with. Just put it in a box next to him. I'm not going to inventory it. I don't have time for that. Because he's got wool boys that are running on empty that he has to worry about. That's very nice. You did a good job. <laughs> now that Nux is out of the car, Max gets to work with the... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Demanicling? I think technically that's what's happening here, yeah. Yeah. He starts pulling on it. He starts prying at it. He can't figure out the mechanism to get this manacle off of Nux. I am convinced that there has got to be a very simple and obvious way to open this. Because, yes, you're going to lock that muzzle onto Max's face. You are going to chain him so that he cannot escape. But if you are the person receiving the blood, it doesn't make sense to have all of that locked in place. Because you're there doing it voluntarily. The only thing that I can think of is that it would be to prevent the drainee from removing it. Although... They have set up a scenario where the drainee should never be able to get that close. Although, it's not like security's like super duper tight out there on the road. I'm willing to bet that if Max were looking at this manacle from the angle that we're looking at it, he would find a pin or a tab or something that would allow him to easily open it. I look at it as the equivalent of pushing on a door that's labeled pull, but someone has peeled the sticker off of it. Yeah, and I equate his reaction to that as somebody who is pulling on the door and it's not giving, so they shake the door. My gosh, there is so much shaking that Max does here. I wonder, is this Nicholas Holt's hand (laughs) or is this a dummy hand? Because the flopping is fantastic. It's so wonderful. I just love it. The... Door analogy has me thinking there is a classic video, and I think it's been made into a GIF a million times over, but it's of a bunch of policemen, and they're lined up outside of these doors, and they've got this battering ram, and they're swinging it into the door trying to get it to open, and they're trying to bash it in, bash it in, and then someone inside walks over and just pushes the door open for them. Yes, I think I know what you're talking about. (laughs) Yeah. The amount of shaking that Max does with the excellent limp hand thing going on it makes me glad that max isn't handling any young children because if he gets frustrated and his first response is to start vigorously shaking the thing he's frustrated with that could turn out very badly if that had been a child's arm and a child's hand he probably would have broken it (laughs) this actually surprises me a little bit because max historically has been a relatively cool calm kind of guy He doesn't generally lose his temper. The one time that I can think of off the top of my head that he overreacts and does something perhaps rash is in Mad Max 79 when he meets Johnny the Boy at the very end. But even that was very calm and planned. Mm -hmm. And it may have been overreacting and it may have been a little crazy, but it wasn't... Frenzied? Exactly. (laughs) So this is a little out of character. I think that speaks more to this Max and the situation that he is in right now than to any writing. He is not thinking clearly because he is low on blood. He has just been through quite an ordeal, woken up in the sand mere seconds earlier, and he does not have his wits about him. As you mentioned before, Max stops shaking the hand. He looks over and nestled in the door that he's just torn off of the car 
is the double barrel shotgun that Nux used to shoot at Furiosa. So I went over to one of my favorite places on the internet, the Internet Movie Firearms Database, and I found this little blurb that someone wrote up on the section for this shotgun. It says, As in the original Mad Max films, Max's personal weapon is a sawed-off double-barrel shotgun. In particular for this film, a sawed-off Victor Sarasqueta shotgun. It is taken from him by the War Boys early on in the film and given to Nux. Very much how the jacket is given to Nux, the gun is given to Nux as well. Who uses it in an attempt to kill Furiosa during the first chase sequence, but misses. They continue. Max takes the shotgun back after Nux's car crashes in the sandstorm and attempts to use its remaining cartridge to blow Nux's wrist off in order to separate the chain tether between them, only for it to end up being a dud. We'll talk about that on Friday. He then uses it to threaten Furiosa and the Five Wives, which is something that happens in week 12 that I'm very excited to talk about in exchange for water and bolt cutters and all that other stuff. So what I didn't expect, but I also kind of like, is that this is still Max's personal shotgun. I called it Nux's shotgun before because I hadn't read the IMFDB listing. So he still favors the sawn-off shotgun. Yeah. I'm interested in how the shotgun progresses through the rest of the movie because some time ago Funko Pop released a series of figures for this movie including a Max which I got you for your birthday last year yep that little figure has a little gun it's it's... not the shotgun right and when you got it and opened it you had words about it and you I think you posted on either Facebook or Instagram I did an obnoxious little video about it yeah And I thought it was really cute. I thought it was really appropriate because this shotgun is iconic to Max. And so far in this movie, it's still iconic to Max. And yet they chose a different gun to do the Funko Pop with. So we'll be watching this gun as we progress through the movie. The IMFDB listing, I didn't mention it, but the shotgun is used to intimidate the wives. It's taken away from him. And then as all the wives run to catch up with the war rig, it's grabbed by Toast. It's reconfiscated by Max from Toast, and he throws it into the bag of guns, and then it just stays in the bag of guns for the rest of the movie. A bit of an unceremonious retirement. Yeah, but he does get his hands on a Glock handgun. I don't know what model specifically, because that's something that's going to pop up later in the notes. Mm Mm-hmm. But we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. That's the thing that he holds on for a long span of time. And then I think also at one point he ends up using the handgun that Furiosa used to punch Ace. There's that whole thing. There's going to be some swapping of weapons that happens later Mm -hmm. on in the movie. We'll worry about that when we get to it. Yes. (laughs) As for Max, he finds this shotgun. He opens it up and he finds that there is still one shell left. He opens the breech wipes off the shell, has to check and make sure it's still good, and then he closes it up, and he presses it against Nux's wrist. And the final two seconds of this minute is just Max looking down at this wrist, and I can't help but think that Max wishes he had a hacksaw right about now, (laughs) because that chain is probably high tensile steel, and it would take Max maybe like... 10 minutes to hack through it with a saw. Now, if he was lucky, he could probably hack through Nux's wrist in like five minutes. Although, to play on that original thing, a wrist is smaller than an ankle, so it might actually be faster than that. 
But he wouldn't really have to rush because there's no ticking clock for him to worry about. There's not. Only general survival. He cannot survive out here in this desert. He has to change his situation in some way. Exactly. I like where this minute cuts off because, like you said, we get like two seconds of Max just looking at the wrist with the gun. And it kind of makes it feel like Max is hesitating. But if we didn't cut the minute off right here and this moment flowed into the moment in Friday's minute, we will see he does not hesitate. Yeah, the shot where he's looking down at the wrist starts at 58 seconds, 10 frames. It goes all the way through to 60 seconds, and then there are only four frames on Friday's minute. It's pretty much just this two seconds that Max is looking down at this situation. And I don't think he's as much mulling over the course of action that he's about to take. I think he's just making sure that the barrel is pressed nice and firm up against the wrist, that his other hand is out of the way, that the eventual splatter that he expects to see is going to go in such a direction that it's not going to get all over him. I think he's lining it up not because he's trepidatious, but because he's being well-prepared for what's about to happen. Exactly. (laughs) I mean, if you're going to blow someone's hand off, don't get yourself covered with it. Take two seconds to make sure you do it the best you can. An ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. If you don't have to cover yourself in viscera and therefore clean up yourself later, then don't. (laughs) Take two seconds and be well prepared like Max. If you learn nothing else from Mad Max Fury Road, learn that. So on that cheery note, we'll wrap for today and we'll come back on Friday when Max's bad luck with shotgun shells continues. He'll hear something in the distance and so he'll gather up Nux and they will hit the road. The Mad Max Minute podcast is a fan project by Rick and Julia Ingham. The Mad Max franchise was created by George Miller and Byron Kennedy, is presented by Kennedy Miller Mitchell Productions, and distributed by Warner Brothers. Mad Max Minute is produced and edited by Rick Ingham. Our opening music is Verdi's Dies Irae by Daniel Batista of DanielBatista.com. Our home on the internet is MadMaxMinute.com. You can follow us on Twitter at MadMaxMinute, like us on Facebook by searching for MadMaxMinute, and join our Facebook listener group, MadMaxMinute Beyond Microphone. If you'd like to support the podcast, visit MadMaxMinute.com, where you can see what's in our Tee Public store, join our Patreon, or even donate to the show to help us keep the tanks full. Thank you for joining us for Minute 32 of Fury Road. We'll see you next time.